Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. Thank you for subscribing and downloading my first 10 episodes. I deeply appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to join me while I visit with worldly interesting people connected to Jackson Hole. Please go to my website, thejacksonholeconnection.com, to offer feedback, provide ideas, and even request to be on the show. When you have the time, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. Today, we will be listening to Tim Harland, Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Grand Teton Distillery, a father, husband, volunteer firefighter, chamber board chairman, real estate dabbler, and marketing guru. I'm honored to have Tim as my first guest on the Jackson Hole Connection. But before we begin, I have a quick word from one of our sponsors. Is it okay to pair beer with Beef Wellington? Does Merlot go with Red Bull? Not sure how to make the perfect bourbon and Coke? Well, the team at the liquor store of Jackson Hole can answer all of these questions plus more. Stop in at 115 Buffalo Way, Jackson, Wyoming, or visit us at tlsofjh.com to experience service that will knock your socks off. The liquor store has been serving the Jackson Hole Valley for over 35 years. Tim, thank you so much for being here today and coming back from Wilson back into town. It's awesome to see you and uh, have you as the first guest on the Jackson Hole Connection. What have you been doing today? Man, all kinds of stuff. I was able to uh, get the boys off to not school. They're just in summertime. They've got two weeks left um, of this fantastic Jackson Hole summer before um, one of my boys goes into eighth grade and one goes into 10th grade. So in the introduction, I mentioned that you are the sales and marketing director for Grand Teton Distillery. Um, what else do you do to fill your time? Um, all kinds of things, Stefan. Um, the, obviously, first and foremost is the paying job that we have with Grand Teton Distillery. I've been very fortunate to be able to work with um, them and other craft breweries and distilleries throughout the state. Um, for three years, I've been with Grand Teton Distillery, and it's been a fantastic experience. Um, the other things I fill my time with, you mentioned a couple of them in the intro, which was being the chairman of the board of the Jackson Hole Chamber of Commerce, which has been really enlightening, an exceptional honor, and gives me a lot, to, lot of great insights into what goes on behind the scenes of Jackson Hole in order to make this such a fantastic place. Sounds awesome. And thank you for sharing all that insight. You sounds like you occupy your time um, to the fullest extent that you possibly can. And, uh, I don't know how you, how you do it all, where you get the energy from, but, uh, must be in a can of Red Bull or something. <laughs> no, you know, it, it, it all does come from within, uh, after moving here in 1993, sight unseen, um, I came out here and started working with some amazing people, um, in with Johnny and Albert Upshur when we opened up Snake River Brewing Company and they allowed me to, um, kind of direct my own path. And in doing so, they highly encouraged for me to do volunteerism and give back to the community of which um, I think I've been doing a, a pretty good job of and continue to do so today. I would, I would very much agree with that indeed. This is the Jackson Hole Connection and interested to know what connected you to Jackson Hole. You just said that you came out here sight unseen, but how did you find Jackson Hole. It's kind of re remote. <laughs> um, it is remote. I was working down in San Francisco and LA, California, after being um, raised in Oregon. Um, and my girlfriend at the time was up in Portland working with a woman whose father was going to open up Snake River Brewing Company. I was home brewing down in the LA area at the time. 
And we decided just to come out to Jackson, try to dis rediscover ourselves, and in doing so, discover an amazing place that we call Jackson Hole. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. We did a two-month motorcycle trip from California, Oregon, Washington, Banff, Jasper, Lake Louise, and came here. And as soon as, honestly, when I came in on my motorcycle into the valley, I could tell my roots immediately were settling in. And we've been here for half my life so far, so 25 years. Would you call this home? Absolutely, and then some. All right, all right. It's a good place to call home. Um, it is. And it's funny when, you know, I've worked with a lot of multi-generational people throughout the Valley and they really did create um, what this Valley has become. But we have opportunity uh, being here now to make the Valley what it will be in the future. And although I've only been here 25 years, I was never born here, but both my boys are. So I'm really proud of that. So um, I have a first generational Wyomingites and Jacksonites here in the Valley. Sounds special that you can connect yourself with Jackson Hole because your boys have been born and raised here. And now I believe your brother lives here and is raising a family as well. And yep, uh, we are infiltrating the Valley with Harlan's. <laughs> We've got a bunch of boys uh, here. So it's, uh, it's really special that my brother who I uh, work with, uh, with Berkshire Hathaway real estate um, is here as well. He's the majority owner of that. And, he was able to come out when I got in a bit of a pickle in building our house. We were fortunate enough to get into the attainable lot program out in Wilson. The Hardeman family put forth some property so that the working class would have the opportunity to live in Jackson. We were beneficiaries of that lottery system. And Kurt was able to come out and build the house with me and my wife. And it was a great experience. It showcased the valley to him, and then later in 2000, 2001, he moved out permanently. It's always good to have family around. I moved out here to be with my brother in 1999, and he has since moved on to Asheville, North Carolina. But it was, it was really special to be able to share some of those experiences with my brother, and I know it's, it's awesome for you to see your boys grow up with your brother's children as well. And couldn't have a better life out here in Jackson with growing up with family. No, it's great. And we don't spend as nearly as much time as I'd like to uh, with my nephews and my son's cousins. Um, but we do make an effort to everybody to get together. That's, that's spectacular. I remember you and I were talking a few days ago. And you let me know how hard it was to establish some roots here in Jackson, which I've heard that from a lot of people. It's a... Uh, it's a rugged place. It's a tough place. And you said that you lived in six places in two years? Uh, three years. Yeah. We okay. moved, first moved out here and we went from the Aspens to Gregory Lane, back to the Aspens, up to Pine Drive, down to, um, I think down to Rafter J and out to uh, 390, where we lived in a, in a little shack of Klon Jacobson, Klon and Lucetta Jacobson's out on 390. Who was Klon and Lucetta Jacobson? Uh, great uh, multi-generational people that had lived here for a very long time. Good story about Klon is I would love to go and sit with him inside the house. Uh, one, because it was warm. <laughs> Our cabin was not, maybe not so much, not, not so well insulated as the main house, but he would tell me some great stories about the Valley. He was in the military and he would bring people out to the, 
Tetons and for the 12th Mountain Division and train them for their Nordic and for their Alpine um, maneuvers out here. He also told me some great stories of being thrown out of the cowboy bar through the swinging doors onto the dirt streets and <laughs> being a rough and tumble young man growing up in Jackson Hole. I wish I had somebody like that to have learned some experiences about Jackson Hole because the character of people that helped build this valley are just like Claude. Yes. But they're also like yourself, people who have moved in since the 80s, the 90s, and even now. And I know that we all have to work hard to get to our success and our comfortable place in life. And what has the road been like for you and Patrice to be where you are, raising two boys in one of the most spectacular places on earth here in Jackson Hole? Well, like a lot of people, we were working two and three jobs just to be able to make ends meet, to be able to live in this valley, the place that we thoroughly cherished and, and enjoyed. And it life gives you things um, that sometimes you uh, work for and sometimes you just don't expect. And in our tenure here over the last 25 years, getting to know more people, getting to know the valley better, really allowed us to create and have opportunities um, that having maybe just come here for a year or two wouldn't have lended itself to. Some of those have been employment, some of those have been uh, volunteerism, some of those have been um, just through the friends and connections that we've made over the past couple decades. You just touched on volunteerism, and I think one of the prominent organizations that you volunteer for is for the fire department here in the Valley. You've been doing that for quite some time now, and it's, it's much appreciated. Thank you for serving. Uh, we rely on a system of a network of volunteers for our firefighters. How long have you been doing it now, Tim? Um, almost 20 years, so 18 years this year. What has it been like to be a firefighter in an area where sometimes it's negative 30 outside? We, we do a lot of different trainings. Um, some of those are in those type of temperatures. And we did a training. I remember going down to San Diego and the guys in San Diego were absolutely flabbergasted. And these guys, these are paid guys. These are the guys that, you know, they're working out every day and they're, they're doing the, the full-time paid ordeal. And they were blown away at the kind of stuff and the conditions that we have to run into, whether it be negative 30, whether it be at a swift water rescue in the snake river, whether it be a high angle rescue off the pass, uh, we really do need to be ultimately trained in many aspects. And the, um, the department here, the administrative staff, the chiefs that give us our trainings are exceptional. It used to be we would go to our meetings, have a few beers, do a little training, and move on. In the past 15 years, it has really become an exceptionally professional and proficient uh, organization. Uh, with the inclusion of EMS and the firefighters. We also have search and rescue, which helps us. We also have a lot of in the backcountry expertise. So we're really fortunate in this valley, but we always need more people. We always need more expertise, and we're always looking for great people. So those of you out there that want to be a part of a great organization, please give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Little pitch for the fire department and EMS there. The fire department and EMS always need some extra help. And uh, they also make the best chicken in town, fried chicken at the Wilson Volunteer Chicken Fry every August. That means a lot 
to me, coming from a true Southerner, Stefan. <laughs> I, I love some Popeye's fried chicken, but I tell you what, when you are in Wyoming, you have to eat the fried chicken and the potatoes that you get at the Wilson Chicken Fry. And a great thing about that, too, is the volunteers that are not only on the fire department, but we have a great number of people who have been in the fire department and have maybe retired. They're helping us out there. We have the wives, the, the kids, um, a lot of people that help us out in that regard to make that event happen for, you know, 3,000 people on that Sunday, third Sunday in July. Where did you learn your philosophy of life? to give back to your community, to be involved in your community? And how are you sharing that with your, with your children nowadays? Um, you know, obviously it's a trickle down thing. My parents, we always had an exchange student in our house when I was growing up. Interesting. We, the first one was Bibiana Boo from the island of Yak <laughs> in Micronesia. <laughs> she was phenomenal. She was a high school student, I believe. And that was the beginning. Then we had uh, people from Iran, Saudi Arabia, we had an Iranian student with us during the Iran-Contra hearings, and I learned so much from him. Um, and then we had an Australian, a South Australian, uh, South African. We just had a, a flow of different people that, that lived in our house, and that was part of my dad's philosophy. And my mom's philosophy was to not only share our culture, but to share our home. Tim, you just shared so many phenomenal nuggets, but I have to circle back. Oh, God to the part where you said that your family had an exchange student from Iran during the Iran, what was it? The Iran-Contra. The Iran-Contra. Sorry to mess that up. Um, no. uh, share some of that experience and what you learned from, from that student. Um, the biggest thing I learned was I remember hearing the media and absolutely hating Iran, being someone of, uh, of American descent, who saw what was going on in that country and what the media was portraying. I remember being at the piano chanting a song, I hate Iran. And he uh, came in and said, don't hate the people. You can hate the politics, but don't hate the people. So during that time, it, it really stuck with me to, to remember that there's more to the world than just oftentimes what we see. And for those people who are in power, and it might be critically um, hostile and negative, but that isn't always the way that the um, masses feel. Mm -hmm. Wow. How old were you when you learned that? Well, that must have been when I was like seven years old. Spectacular. I mean, just amazing. And being able to carry that on through year after year, decade after decade in your life and being able to share that with your children so they have that understanding of the world versus the understanding of the world, which they see in the eyes of the current media. Sure. Um, and we can bring that back to Jackson. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that are occurring within the Valley that we see, obviously over the last decades, a lot of changes have occurred. Indeed, and sure. there's a lot of people who, you know, want it to be like it was a hundred years ago. Some people want it to be like it was 10 years ago. But the reality of it is we have a Jackson that we have created and we now have the responsibility to be stewards of our land and to be able to make the smart decisions and to be able to um, grow and grow responsibly and to have people in the right positions to be able to make the decisions for that. Um, well said, Tim. Well said. I, I appreciate you sharing that insight. If there's anything that I know 
that I can work on is my perspective on the rest of the world and being more uh, understanding of the people. And like you said, not the politics, right? or as that exchange student said. So Tim, we live in Western Wyoming is where Jackson Hole, Wyoming is. And it's kind of the area of extremes. It can be negative 30 degrees in the wintertime, but then in the summertime, it is the most beautiful place. But people get out there and get into some trouble with the availability of open land out here. Um, what are some tips and tricks that you've learned over the years to surviving out here in rural Western Wyoming? Rural. Well, it's funny because today, even though we are in a rural area, we are all connected, whether that be through the internet, through our friendships, through our businesses. Um, the people that live in Jackson, as you, I think mentioned before, are, have to be a little bit hardier. You have to really want to live here. And I think that makes a difference in the personalities and the characters um, that create this community. Um, the tips that I would have for making things work within a, a rural community is to be able to have connectivity with your community, to be able to have connectivity with your neighbors and friends, um, not be afraid to ask for anything or for help, because I know a few people in my circles that, that don't do that, and I believe they're really missing out. If you are able to um, have a, or ask for a helping hand, uh, you know it's going to be there. And a lot of times we do need that without as much city-like services that, that are available here. Mm -hmm. Well said. And I know for my wife and I, we call it our Jackson Hole family. Right. Because our family doesn't live here. And it was just recently that we had a family emergency, real family emergency outside of town. And we had to call upon our Jackson Hole family. And they came to the rescue and helped us out and watched our boys while we had to rush out of town all of a sudden. So that connectivity, the connection of people out here is so true. Yeah. And I've had to rely on that many times. I remember when we first moved to town, uh, we called ourselves the, the class of 93 because <laughs> you would be working and you would see the same people going to the same places and doing the same things mm -hmm. in your age group. And then the, the, a couple of years later, you'd have the class of 95 and those people would be kind of doing the same things you did a couple of years ago with the people that are just moving to town and experiencing the great things here. So yeah, I remember, I remember distinctly being part of the class of 93 of the Jackson Hole um, new crew that was coming through. Maybe we should start doing some class rings. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. get a mascot for every year. Sure. <laughs> what, was your, what was your year? Uh, my year was, would have been the class of 99. Class of 99? Okay. Yeah. I think I want to go with the Lions for, for my class mascot. Lions? Yes. Okay. I like Lions. Okay. Well... well We'd be the duck-billed platypus, You'd be. was what it would be. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Okay. Duck-billed platypus works. I guess there was somebody maybe who was from Australia in your yes. group, in your class. <laughs> maybe they're still here. Thank you for um, sharing your stories and your survival tips here in Jackson. I, I really appreciate it. Through life, we meet, we always meet interesting people. And I can tell how receptive you are to uh, learning from other folks. What is the best life advice that you've ever received that you could share today? Man, um, over 50 years, life advice. I do recall one thing that, that was kind of driven into us, a couple things actually. One was um, my dad would always say that it, you know, he never had a problem if I would aim high and miss, 
but he would have major issues if I would aim low and hit. That was a big thing that, that I recall. And then um, every day when my boys head off to school, uh, I try to instill upon them that, you know, make today the best day because it's the only today you got. So true. So true. And I tell you, when I send my boys off to school or daycare every day, I always give them a kiss, a hug, and tell them I love them because I never want to miss that opportunity. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you for coming in and sitting here with me today. So what is the best way, Tim, that people could get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out? You know, I do have an open door policy in Wilson at my house, and usually uh, a cold beer in the fridge and the porch swing is always going. But probably my email address, which is jacksonholetim at gmail.com. You is, think I like Jackson Hole? I would say yes. <laughs> yes. That's my personal one. And then also through uh, my Grand Teton Distillery, Tim at GrandTetonDistillery.com. We have a great tasting room and operation over there in Driggs, Idaho, that if you haven't been over to see, I would highly encourage you to do that as well. Thank you, Tim. Really appreciate it. And folks, if you ever see Tim Harlan in the summertime, you'll probably see him driving around in a little yellow thing. Um, what year is that thing? 73. That's been in my, it was the first VW thing in Oregon. And my mom and dad would sit in the front. My three siblings would be in the back and I would either be on a piece of plywood with my <laughs> chin right in the dashboard or on a piece or in the very back, frying my hindsight off over the engine, which is in the back of the car. I had no idea that it had such a strong family connection. <laughs> it's a big, Kurt drove that, uh, you know, and I, I, I drove it in high school and college and then brought it out here in probably 98, 97. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Tim. You have yep. a great time and have a fantastic day and go have a good time with that family. Before we shut this down, though, I know since this is the first episode, I'm going to put this a little bit back on you, Stefan. Um, this is such a great idea, the, the connectivity of Jackson what is your goal with this podcast and what would you like to see happen with it over its tenure? Wow. New role. The person leading the podcast being interviewed by the guest. The student I'm, I'm, has become the master. <laughs> I'm happy to, to take that question. Thank you for asking that. My goal is to bring back visiting. I grew up in the South. My grandparents were very important in my life. And there were a lot of times I would just sit around with my grandparents and it was called visiting and we would go to somebody else's house and we'd sit and visit or we'd go to somebody, a relative's house and sit and visit. And I feel as though um, we need some more visiting in our life. And I want to share some of those visiting experiences with the greater world, the whole world about people who have a connection to Jackson Hole, people who live here, people who've come through here and I feel as though through this podcast, I can bring back a little bit of that visiting experience that I grew up, uh, that I grew up having. So thanks. Thank you for asking. Remember my door is open and we got porch swings. So anytime, Stefan. Just a swinging. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> you have a great day. Jackson Hole Marketplace, the small market in Jackson Hole with a huge reach. Stop in for hot coffee and homemade breakfast in the morning, awesome lunches in the afternoon, and finish the day with a soft serve ice cream and a six pack of beer. Need catering for breakfast or lunch? They can do it and deliver for free. Want to know more? Visit jhmarketplace.com. Thank you everyone for tuning in today to the Jackson Hole Connection. I hope you have enjoyed listening and can take away a little nugget about life. 
I am always looking for fun guests who have a connection to Jackson Hole. If you would like to be a guest or know of someone worthy, please send me an email to connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Jackson Hole Connection on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. Five stars, of course. I only take five stars. The Jackson Hole Connection, sharing caring stories of worldly, wild folks with a desire to share the fun side of life. You tag it, someone will bag it. Y'all come back again, you hear?